0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, and I'm the editor in chief here at EM360, and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm very excited to be joined by Caroline Crandall, who is the Chief Deception Officer at Ativo Networks, a deception technology company. Now, Caroline is a high-impact technology executive who has held leadership positions at the likes of Cisco, Juniper Networks, and Riverbed, just to name a few. Uh, Caroline is recognized as a global thought leader in technology trends and for business strategies that connect technology with customers to solve complex operations and security challenges. So Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Absolutely. Lovely to be here.
0: Today, we're going to be discussing deception technology and really how we can kind of turn the tables on cyber attackers. So I think I've got the, the perfect person as the chief deception officer, which is a fantastic job title, by the way. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, it it maybe only works at this company, but it has been absolutely great for uh, icebreakers because a lot of people are curious as to what does that mean?
0: (laughs) Exactly. And that leads me nicely onto my first question, because uh, deception technology is quite a, wow, really a, a unique approach for going for cybersecurity. So for listeners who may not be familiar, would you mind just giving us a quick overview of what it's all about?
1: You know, it's interesting because we've been using deception for millennia in military sports, gambling, and it had been tried a few times in security, but was limited a lot in its ability to offer comprehensive detection and and really go beyond being just a tool for research. And so what's happened over the last, oh, five plus years is that modern cyber deception platforms have come into play, and they're really focused on early detection. So detecting the threat threats that have bypassed the perimeter security controls, and being able to let organizations know very quickly that a threat is inside the network. And this is done different, I always look at it that there's two ways to catch an adversary. You can either pursue them, in which case you need to learn a lot about them and get ahead of them, or you ambush them. You set the traps inside the network. You set other baits, lures, and misdirections, which trick an attacker. Into making mistakes and revealing themselves. So it ends up being a super efficient and scalable way for being able to detect these threats across all attack surfaces, all attack vectors, very efficiently.
0: It's a really interesting approach to take towards. It. And you mentioned there that it's only kind of been five plus years. So it's fairly new in terms of gaining traction for, for deception technology with, with defenders here. So why do you think it's taken so long for deception technology to surface and go this route?
1: It's really one of the most misunderstood technologies. A lot of people will look at it and go, you know, attackers are really smart and they're very patient. And so how are they going to get tricked by this technology? Aren't they just going to be able to figure it out and work around it? And and I would say with a lot of the emulated or very simplistic forms of deception, they are able to figure it out and and find ways to avoid it. But with modern deception where it's designed really to look authentic, appear and blend in with the natural environment, an attacker can't tell. And so One of the first hurdles is simply, is it believable? Will the attackers be attracted to it? You know, is it a honeypot? Which this is a technology 15, 20 years ago that came into play and and was interesting in concept because, again, it set traps for the attackers. It just was not very easy to operate and scale. And so some people go, oh, it's just another honeypot. But it's very different because today's deception technology goes beyond just trapping and gets into advanced techniques of credential lures, fake shares, active directory misdirections, and and a whole bunch of other sophistication that adds incremental value that wasn't there before. But again, a lot of people will start with the base as, well, it's just a honeypot and it's not really that effective. But those that really get into understanding what the technology is capable of doing start to realize that it is a very effective safety net for being able to detect those in-network threats. And then the last piece, a lot of people will go, "Hey, this stuff sounds complex, right? You know, if it can do all this, uh, you know misdirections and deceptions, I'm going to need an army of people to be able to install it and operate it. and And that's kind of the cool thing about today's technology is is it is built on machine learning and automation so that instead of it taking more energy to operate, it actually saves because you get earlier, detection that's substantiated with an attacker's engagement. And also there's built-in automations that help with triage and the incident response. So the net effect is you're getting things like upwards to 90% reduction in dwell time and 12x reduction in the time that it takes to triage and respond to an event. Again, a lot of people just don't understand until they go hands-on with the technology and they start to then realize the many benefits it can bring forward.
0: So to lead on to that, do you think it comes down to really educating organizations and and how would you want to see this become a little bit more mainstream and really get organizations to understand more of what you say?
1: You know, it's a great question because we're constantly looking at ways that we can educate and there's lots of different vehicles we've been using to do that, whether it be at, uh, you know, events or seminars or or webinars that are out there. But actually found very surprising to me as we were actually working with the ISMG group is is that, you know, in uh, the IDG study, it showed that Deception was the number two most researched technology right after zero trust. And what it goes to show is, is that people are curious, right? They're hearing about it and they're wanting to know, does this really effectively work or not? And so obviously customers can do a a, uh, proof of concept and, and test the product out and see if it works in their lab or their environment. But there's also A lot of third-party information that's out there right now, whether it be from Gartner or other major analyst firms that have done solution comparisons of the different technology and the value that's brought forward and the differentiation between the various platforms. And on that note, there is a lot of differentiation with deception that's out there today. Some of it's very simple features that may be embedded into a larger platform, and others are full deception platforms like what Ativo brings forward, where it will cover all different types of attack vectors and attack surfaces. And so it's definitely worthwhile for organizations to do their homework and make sure that they understand what they're trying to do, what their particular use cases are, and which solutions provide the most robust solution for today, and where they also may want to take it in the future.
0: Mm, that's that's interesting, especially you mentioned in there zero trust is one of the most searched because doing these podcasts for as long as I have been now, especially last year, a big conversation was around zero trust and people dipping their toe in the water. And it seems like they're, they're kind of doing the same with this, but it, it they have to go past that research, don't they? And just start implementing and understanding. Do you think there's a set kind of organizations that this works for, or organizations that it doesn't work for, or can this really be blanketed out to everyone?
1: We found with our customer base is it's blanketed out to everyone across all verticals, all size organizations. And, and what I think surprises people most is not that we have a majority of, say, Fortune 10 customers that are customers of Deception. But what surprises people more is, is that if I look at a TiVo's customer, 65% of them are under 5,000 employees. And 40% are under 1,000 employees. So there's a lot of belief that, oh, this is just for the big guys. This is what you do when you have a mature security infrastructure. Maybe what I do last as I think about defense in depth. However, what's proving more true in the field is that people see the value of being able to get very efficient detection and a very high-fidelity alert. There are other detection mechanisms that are out there, but the challenge with them is a lot of times, especially these small companies, they don't have the tools to collect all the logs. They don't have the staff to cull through all the logs. They don't have the time to find that needle in a haystack where when they look at deception technology, they can be up and running in an hour, and then they can immediately get access to alerts that are substantiated with IOCs and TTPs of the attack, and they can then and get that information very quickly that they can respond to, or if they work with an organization that helps them with response, they can hand it over to them with the detail to make sure that actions get taken very quickly. And so I think it's it's one of those education pieces that we're really trying to put out is, is that even if you're small, it doesn't mean that this is out of your reach. It's actually something you might want to consider earlier than later, because it will cover a lot of the gaps that may come with different infrastructure or platforms. And it'll give you that substantiation so that you don't have to have a team of people to go figure out if that alert's important. Because anytime a person touches the deception environment that's not supposed to, you know it's at least a policy violation, if not something more malicious in nature.
0: Which is a very useful approach to kind of take to understand what's coming. So it's good to kind of talk about deception technology and it's interesting to see where the scope is and how it's being used. But there's kind of a double-edged sword when we do talk about this stuff because it raises its profile and we've just been discussing how important education is and understanding how it works and, and giving more education around it. But attackers are very clever and attackers are obviously very aware of this method. Is there kind of that worry, do you think that malicious actors are able to distinguish between the real and the fake credentials?
1: No, oh, and attackers are smart, and they're patient, you know, and so mm. they will take the time to learn and understand. And, and with most tools that simply deflect an attack, the defenders are not learning a lot about them. But in this case, they are concerned about deception, because all along the way, we can provide the defender with intelligence about what that attacker is doing. There's even some things that are put forth that do misdirections. So for example, if you think about an attack on Active Directory, and it's not even an attack at that point, you're just doing AD reconnaissance to try to figure out kind of the lay of the land and where the access credentials are that you may need either privilege or admin to get to the the targets that you want. And as you're an attacker, you're going to move very slowly and you're not, in many cases, going to expect deception to be there. However, even with the attackers that are expecting deception to be there, with these misdirections, you can actually alter their automated tools, the results that come back to their automated tools, so that they think they're seeing the real thing. And if they think they're seeing the real thing, they're going to continue to escalate their attack. And that's only going to lead them back into the decoy environments where they can then be studied and understand you know, what they're after and how they're attacking. Now, there is the attractiveness and there's the believability piece of it. And what has really changed over the years is the ability to run the same environment as you're running in production. And what I mean by that is, is if I take the same operating systems, application services that are available in that particular VLAN or network, it looks identical, the attacker's not going to be able to see the difference, IP addresses, MAC addresses, how the system operates, especially if it's high interaction and and dynamic, then it's gonna look and feel like something they may be interested in. And then you just make certain things about it attractive so the attacker would want to engage. Then there becomes a debate of, okay, is the value in a deception alert simply upon that detection alert? And I'd say a good majority of people simply want to know and then have enough information to be able to remediate quickly. Others want to study their adversary. And that's where having that high interaction environment becomes important. And the way that Ativo does it is it remains high interaction and dynamic. So even when they're in the deception environment, they believe they're still continuing to escalate the attack. And again, there's different layers of believability. The first you want to do is is have it attractive enough so that they engage and the second interact I'll say and then the second is having it believable enough so that they continue to engage. And you're able to then plot out and map their attack and log everything so that you can not only stop it, but you can also threat hunt further in the network. And so, again, there are different degrees of authenticity and not all deception is created equal. So anybody looking at this technology will want to make sure that they understand how that vendor is executing that technology and whether it does stay believable. There are tools that are out there, like Honeybuster, that for the more simpler versions of deception, it will be able to detect and identify. But on advanced platforms, no. And the proof and the pudding on that is, is that if you look at red teams, and again, we're not out to get the red teams, it's, they're a proxy for the attacker, but we have been able to consistently fool the red teams into engaging and catching them very early in the attack process. And so that's always our validation that if you take some of these very well-trained pen test teams or red teams, then they get tripped up. And it's a good indication that it is attractive, believable, and it will be able to detect the attacks effectively.
0: That's impressive to hear that you can kind of catch, as you say, that skilled level of team quite early on. And one of the questions I was kind of going to follow up here is what can businesses take into account to ensure that these solutions work? But you've kind of just outlined a lot there that businesses can take on board to make sure this happens. One thing you have mentioned, though, is obviously this doesn't need a lot of um, people to kind of man this and and run this. So what can you tell me about how that kind of works into alleviating a business understanding of how people can run this and just be assured that it's working?
1: So I think there's obviously layers of deployments that people can do. And so just to answer your first question about considerations that they can take into account, with the different types of deception that are out there, people need to think a little bit about their use cases and what they're trying to accomplish. And and the baseline of it is, is, yes, it's always looking for lateral movement inside of the network, but It may depend upon what's the nature of how they'll be being attacked. Is it an industrial control environment? Is it a cloud environment? Is it distributed workforce with a bunch of remote workers? There's different deployment models that can be set up based upon what they're trying to do to make sure that they catch the different attack vectors in addition to being able to set up the right type of decoys and misdirections to be able to derail the attacker. And so most of the companies we see today will go, okay, I want to start by putting these deception lures out on the endpoints. So they could be the fake credentials. They could be fake map drives. They could be the ability to do misdirection of active directory reconnaissance. And then what they'll do is, is they'll start to set decoy systems throughout the network that maybe look like the target servers that people would be after. And in other environments, they might set up like uh, HMI or supervisory control systems they are, again, decoys inside of an industrial control environment or a point-of-sale environment. And so it really depends upon what they're trying to protect. Some people will wrap fake credentials around their admins and key executives, especially if they travel a lot or go into countries where sometimes they can't always keep the same security measures We've seen a lot recently on remote worker. You know, a lot of people are using split tunneling VPN right now and going, okay, my traditional controls are not going to detect the way that they would if everything was coming through the corporate network. And so adding in fake VPN credentials, being able to do fake credential use in SaaS environments, looking for those failed logins. There's a whole bunch of different things that Deception can be used to make sure that that company is covered in the way that they want to be covered. And, and that's best to just sit down with the company and have a conversation. Other use cases may be MA environments, a lot of things around IP theft, patent protection, research protection, which can pull in things like decoy documents and things like that. So the versatility of the solution to be able to create detection around the things that they care about most is probably one of the strongest things about the technology. And if I can refer back to one of the comments that always comes out of our advisory boards is that they love coming into that because they always come out with more use cases they didn't think of originally. And so there is a lot. Most people will start small, right? Set some traps, set some endpoint credentials out there, and then they'll expand into the different use cases. Hopefully I answered your question and all of that.
0: (laughs) No, that's perfect. I think... uh... That's a very good way to look at it and it's good that use cases are always important for kind of backing this up. So, so that's great. There's a lot of elements that I'd like to unpack and go into further detail, but you've done a a great job explaining this. So I think I've just got one final question, which is to really ask, you know, we've spoken throughout the podcast about how deception technology is not quite a mainstream solution yet. And it's something that we want to see happen. But if you and me were to have this conversation five years, 10 years from now, What would you expect, or I guess a better way to word it, is what would you hope deception technology market would look like?
1: You know, it's interesting because it's deception. It is stealthy. Our customers are very close to the chest about their adoption of the the technology. And and you know, some people go, okay, they're like that with security in general. However, One of our top use cases is insider threats. And so a lot of companies, because they want to be able to catch everybody, you know, from folks on their security team to other employees doing things they shouldn't, that in many cases we'll do a black box deployment, there'll only be a handful of people inside the company that even are aware of deception being deployed. And so what there is because of this is a lack of understanding that deception is actually out there in a lot more places than people are aware of because people are just not very openly talking about it. Where they will tend to talk about it more is within their information sharing groups like the ISACs or other small user groups. But a lot of times they don't talk. And obviously we can't talk about who our customers are and what they're doing for confidentiality reasons. But I can tell you that it is out there a lot more than you think. And what I would expect is that deception will become very mainstream, and it will become mainstream in a couple ways. So one, it'll either become part of an integrated solution. So maybe if you've got an EDR solution, it'll become integrated at some point into an EDR package. Could get integrated into SOAR platforms and other things as well. Or given the robustness of what it can do, a lot of people like it being a separate standalone system because it is that safety net. And so if anything happens with their other security controls, some people do want it completely independent so that it is out there and always being able to detect and catch if anything gets through their prevention controls. But in these different cases, it will be pervasive, right? So either in a standalone form or as some type of feature functionality within a bigger platform. But I fully expect in 10 years from now, it will be very foundational and baseline because it is so effective in what it does and so efficient to be able to deploy.
0: Excellent. It's definitely an exciting time to kind of see where this grows. And as you say, with it being what it is, you do want to make sure it doesn't go too mainstream, but it's interesting to know that it's out there. It's being adopted a lot. And hopefully we kind of see that grow more and more. Caroline, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for walking us through this and and explaining it. It's It's been really fascinating to hear your explanation on it all.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. It's always exciting to be able to uh, educate and help people understand the technology and the value that it, it brings. And uh, again, many thanks for having me here.
0: Of course. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast. If you'd like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you do head over to ativonetworks.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in this Ask the Expert series. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope you have a fantastic week. listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.